The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. We've been looking at Acts, and I, and I think we're starting to see a little turn in the story of Acts from the, the kind of, you know, breaking bread and homes and temple courts, and it's been going pretty well. They had some dis- disagreements amongst themselves. Uh, they sorted that out, so they're caring for everyone again. They seem like they're on the right page. And, but as we kind of move on this, this afternoon, we'll look into Acts 4 a little bit. We sort of see a turn in the narrative of, of Acts, and it really begins to set the course for, for quite some time following this for the birth of, of, of the church. So uh, I'm going to read it, uh, read some of it. It's in Acts 4. If you want to follow along, you're welcome to um, on your phone or Bible, or I think that's also on our app. So the next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And this is like this big talk. Like, we don't know how, what, we kill Jesus. Like, what, how, are they, how is this still happening, right? Like, that was the point. If we kill Jesus, it will end. And, and it's still going on. And God seems to still be moving even after Jesus has, has left. So they're going on and on, and they, and they talk about it. And, and Peter responds. He just kind of tells a story. He's like, you know what? God is God, Jesus is Jesus' is son, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name in heaven and, and given to mankind by which we can save. And so he's preaching the salvation of grace in this, in this person of Jesus. And this just infuriates the Sanhedrin and the people of the law because they were obviously all about religious systems, like, no, it's not that easy, we don't even believe in Jesus. But when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they can see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there is nothing they can say. So they kind of saw this healed man that they had healed. Like, it's just blowing their minds. Like, this can't be right, but yet that guy is healed. And we're looking at these unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note they'd been with Jesus. And I love that idea, which includes myself. I think most of you, like, what's different about us? And to some degree, and Brittany was kind of alluding to this, it's like, if we just push all the way back, like, what is ordinary people who spend time with Jesus? Like, that is, like, the greatest testimony we can present to people. And what is it about that? I don't know. I, I'm a mess, but I spent time with Jesus, and sometimes he actually shines through, and it, and it makes a difference. And we kind of pull back, and so the, 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 the Sanhedrin's looking at these guys like, we don't get it. There should be nothing about these guys that are able to do these things, but they are. And they speak with conviction and power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So they get out of, they get out of the situation. They were in jail. They get turned loose. All the believers are, are following this story, like, all right, sweet, they're out. So all the believers in verse 32 were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, and they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them, there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone in need. So we saw that kind of early on in Acts. It was sort of born out of this movement. All these people in our city, how do we care for these people? Uh, there's widows, we have to care for them. But now there's this other element happening of, of persecution and prison. That's like, all right, well, this slow this thing down. Like, no, we're all still in this thing together, even though it's, it looks like the scape of it is changing a little bit. And they continue to live in this way. And I want to talk about what kind of helps us live together in that way, because I think it's important for us as a community here within the context of the church community locally and globally, but really just within the general sort of citizenship of our areas. How can we be people like, you know what? We still have a lot of stuff in common with other people who aren't quite maybe found their way into the story of, of God yet. And if we look at these people, this, this early church in Acts, they're caught in this interesting time that we really can't relate to, but there's a government essentially, essentially who's forming up the Roman Empire 
who hadn't quite yet, but is getting close to this, wanting to feed all the Christians to the lions. Like, that's the position of the government. We just want them to go away. We, we want to we make a spectacle of it. That's what the early church is, is starting to walk into. And this is why we see it's so important to care for this community in the beginning. They, they have to have this family because it's going to get worse. And then the religious systems, like, they also want to see them fed to the lions. Like, that's great. We're with Rome. Let's get rid of these people. So that's the, the place of, of, of the church of this time. And again, why we find it so important. Like, what are these values being formed in the beginning? And there was a culture in this early church because it was very eclectic. I remember, th- remember there was no, no church at the time. This wasn't like a, a new version of it. There was no church. There was, a re- there was a temple system. And then there was paganism. But there wasn't what, what we would know today as, uh, as church. So we're kind of figuring this out together. And like, let's just get everybody involved and go from there. And there's this culture of understanding one another. There was this, there's a culture of understanding the difficulty of the situation. Everyone's in it. We're all here. We all know the Rome's here, temple's here. We're all kind of figuring this thing out, but we're all in this together. And it brought them, and it binds the people together. We're going to stick it out. We're going to pray. We're going to praise. We're going to pray for you. We're going to celebrate if we're in jail or out of jail. And I love that, that we can be brought together even in those difficult times. I, I was at a, a Dodgers game this week, which was amazing. And thank you to someone here in, in a church who, who gave, it, gave us tickets to game six of the World Series. And I don't want to share who he is because I don't want you guys asking him for tickets. Uh, when you have a source like that, you know, you kind of keep it to yourself. But thank you, Michael and Maria. I appreciate it. Uh, no, but we were just really blown away. It was an amazing, amazing game of the series and just really blessed to do that. I took my boys and, and uh, my, my dad down there, my father-in-law, and it was just tremendous. But right before the, the game started, they do some of the, you know, um, you know, national anthem and some of the formalities of, of the whole thing. The announcer comes over the, over the PA and he's, he says, you know, there had been an event in New York earlier that day and there was a, a little bit of terrorist activity in New York of some kind. And, and he said, we're going to take a moment of, of silence for the victims of that tragedy. And man, there was a stadium of, you know, 50, 55,000 people just roaring, getting ready for this game. And this guy came over to the PA and said, we're going to have a moment of silence. And man, And it was silent. I mean, there was no people screwing around. No one was throwing stuff. I mean, and it wasn't like forever. But man, it was powerful to hear that many people respond to something. That they, they knew, they maybe don't know what's important about that. Why is that something we do or respect? But there was a pull from the community that said, man, I, I don't know what happened out there. I don't get it, but I, I, I know there's something going on. And there's a moment of pause. And that's one of those things like for us, like, we're all in this still together. I don't know what happened. I don't understand it. It doesn't matter if I'm at a church. I still understand that it's difficult and frustrating. And we can build those bridges, and they're built in, and we'll see that the people of the, of the New Testament kind of struggling for some really difficult times. Like, we don't get it, but we're, we're just going to admit that together. This is hard, and we're going to stop and pause and be in it together. And this, and this, this, this moment of silence just speaks so much of the common thread, really, of you and I and our fellow humanity— because it seems like sometimes there's too many differences between us and the church and everyone else. Like, there's really only one difference. It's Jesus. That's the only the difference. Now, that's, that's a big deal. But we're also still people. We also still process things sort of the same way, and our hearts can break the same, the same way. And we don't understand something maybe the same way. And we pause for a second, I, and, I, and I like the moment of silence sometimes because it's even beyond, like, you know, we're going to pray for people, but it's almost the same. I'm going to pause, like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm right there with everybody else, or I'm right there with you. I'm just going to stop. I'm not even going to say anything here. I'm just going to let the moment, the moment settle down. 
when these threats come and, 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 and things happen, like we're just going to take a moment, like recognize those things. Uh, this morning, I, I had a kind of opportunity to run a 5K for Patagonia does this 5K race downtown in River Bottom. And um, I say opportunity, I was kind of suckered into it. Um, I didn't look, I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't something I want to do on Sunday morning was go run a, run a little marathon thing. Uh, but a friend of a friend signed up for it and ended up having a spot. And, and Amy basically like just told me I had to do it. So I, so I did it. And then I like hoodwinked my son Jed into doing it because I didn't want to go uh, down there alone. Um, and, but it was really fun. And, and I'm, I, I don't mind running a little bit, but I, it's not something I'm in the necessarily trained for or, or was really excited about. And if I do things like that, for me, I'm like, why would I do it unless I can't win it? Like, I don't want to just go out there and kind of like slowly like be last you know, that's like the worst thing in the world. So, but we go out and we do this, we start running this race and um, it's all these people, 400 somewhat people running down the river bottom and of all kinds of different degrees. And you notice when you run, like, and I was kind of bugging Jed a little bit, but like you really, even with all these people around you, like you're not talking, like you're not having conversation with people, but it doesn't almost need to be said because we're all just doing this thing together. Like we don't have to talk about it. Like, and, and for many of us, myself included, like we're just suffering together. Like, I don't have to explain that I'm suffering. Though I have to ask, hey, are you suffering too? Like, oh, you are, I'm suffering. Like, we're just suffering. We all understand it. We just are kind of in this zone. Right? We're, we're kind of working, working through this thing. And so the church at this time, it's starting to learn how to just kind of live together in this way. Like, we're all just in this thing together. We're new. We don't know what the structure is. We don't know if we're going to be okay. We're going to see the persecution get way worse. We don't know where we're going to end up. But we're brought together in those moments. I mean, when you're doing those kind of events, if you've been to something like that or even uh, big projects, maybe, you know, maybe at work or in school, and you get through it, you know, sports, it's like you don't have to say anything. There's just this unsaid, like, bond, like, all right, like, we're like family now. We just did that thing. And it was hard, and we don't even have to talk about it. But we experienced something together. And so the early church is experiencing this, this movement together and watching their leaders be thrown in prison, which is kind of scary. And then you get out, and like, that was awesome. And we're living this, this, this new movement. And we go back to this formation of the church in this kind of context between government, which is really dangerous and bad and pagan, and, the, and then the religious system, which is just about as bad. And the early church is coming up, and their objective, which is interesting kind of the way of Jesus, was not really to fix either one of those things. That wasn't the primary objective. Now go out and, and, and fix the government and go out and fix that that temple system. The objective was to love one another. The objective was to love the people around them. It wasn't to go out and, and, and find all these sort of faults, what's going to be our, our mission. It's like, let's just keep loving on people, and when we do that, maybe God will move, and we'll experience this, this stuff together. And I think you see from Jesus how he pulled his disciples. If we go back to the people he chose years before, these ordinary unschooled guys who people knew and didn't think much of, he's like, I'm going to use these guys to start this movement that we're benefiting from today. He, he had something in mind, and I, and I think it had to do with the sort of commonality of, of people. When you take a religious system that was all about removing the priests far away from everybody, and like the highest priest was in the farthest room in the temple, and you had to go through all these things to get to them. And Jesus was all about the people. And he selected guys like, hey, these are just guys like the people. These are guys who are going to be called out like, man, those guys are, I remember back in, in Acts 2, like, man, those guys are hicks from the country. They talk like Galileans. They're just, they don't know anything. Jesus wanted those kind of people because they could relate. 
I mean, if you look at Jesus' time, when he, when, he, when he preached his sermon, there was often these comments about, man, they never heard anything like this before. And to some degree, Jesus' talks were good. He's Jesus. He had good talks. But it was also about the way he did it. He was relatability. He hung out with people. You don't get the sense that Jesus came down, gave a talk, and then went back into the temple. Then he went to somebody's house, and he sat down with, with, with sinners. And he lived that way, and it started to turn people's minds. Like, oh, my gosh, like these guys are kind of just like us, but there's also something really different about them. And man, that is where the church succeeds most in mission. We could just be with people. Yeah, we're different. Jesus makes us different. That's awesome. But not so much that we pull ourselves way out. I've been following this, obviously, some of this kind of Harvey Weinstein stuff going on in the news, and it's just a really sad commentary, probably for another time, on entertainment, to some degree, all of us. But one of the things that popped up about it for the victims of this, of, of this situation <clears throat> it's kind of trending on, on social media where they'd say, yeah, this happened, and then there was a hashtag Me Too. There's all these people coming out like, Me Too, Me Too, Me Too. Like, I, I know this has been buried for a long time, and I never talked about it, and you never talked about it, but Me Too, Me Too. And Jesus, when he pulled his guys to start moving and leading the church, these are like Me Too kind of guys. Like, yeah, we're, we don't know either. I don't know what's going on. I had a hard time. This happened. Jesus is a Me Too kind of God. That's like part of the point of why he came to spend time with us. Jesus is the guy, hey, I get it. Emotionally, psychologically, physically abused by men in power? Yeah, Jesus. He knows all about that really well in a really hard way. Abandoned by them close to him? Yeah, me too. A story that was discredited? Yeah, Jesus, me too. Man, there's something so powerful about this story of Jesus and his disciples and now this new church. Yeah, we're we're hurting, too. We have a hard time, too. We don't understand, too. This is scary for us, too. And we can approach it in the world, and we see stuff going on, and say, yeah, I, it scares me, too. Because it's easy to say, like, well, God is on his throne, amen? Praise God, he's on his throne. Like, yeah, of course he's on his throne. But that sometimes doesn't comfort people who don't know God. What might comfort people say, yeah, I, I get it, it's kind of scary. It's hard. But here's where I find some hope. But to, to sort of discredit the sort of feelings that maybe are, are of unsettlement is, is, is not the way Jesus was. He's like, yeah, I get it. Let me sit and talk with you. I'm going to walk through all this stuff too. And that's our rabbi. It's the guy we follow. That's the guy who knows what it's like to go through the hard, the hard stuff. Whether you bring it on yourself or someone brings it on you or it's a surprise. We were getting ready for the game last week. Like, th- those games are, tickets are amazing and they were free, but like if you ever into any of those kind of games, there's other things that can be expensive, like the peanuts and the drinks and things like that. And so I'm like, all right, I, I'm gonna we're gonna have some fun down there. Well, you know, it was a, one of Cash's stipulations for going was like, well, I need to, if I, I'll go, but I need to have ice cream Sunday in one of those plastic helmets. Like, all right, we'll do that. Like you're in. Um, so I'm thinking that through. Like, all right, we're gonna have all this stuff and want to have a good time. And and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to Trader Joe's ahead of time, and I'm gonna buy some provisions because you can bring food into the game, which is really cool. And uh, bought some different, like, mixed snacks and the kind of, you know, peanuts and popcorn and Cracker Jacks kind of food and, like, had my bag. I planned it, you know, got it ahead of time, had my bag, didn't, like, leave it in the car or anything like I normally do. Uh, didn't, like, try to sneak in any glass that, like, maybe lose everything, like the kind of things I do that to. So I got in there with our, our snacks and <clears throat> big bag of pistachios, which was, um, you know, kind of a fun food to have at the, at the game. And kind of poured out on one of their trays, and, and we set it up, and, and I have a couple pistachios, and like first inning, and like, I'm like, sweet, you know, I have a, you know, $25 Bud Light, and, and I think of pistachios, and 
And like within minutes, I won't say who, one of the boys like reaches over to throw some nuts away and just knocks over all the pistachios. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like all that provision, the pistachios are now on the ground. Like, like, oh, they're, that ground is nasty, but they're kind of in shells or like in half shells. Like maybe the ones that aren't touching the ground, like all those ones that rolled that way, like, is it still safe? And I'm like, oh man. And like in the moment, I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, I'm like, why did you do that? You know, and, and he's like, you didn't mean to do it. And, and sometimes these things just happen. Like, yeah, maybe you did all the right things to be ready for that moment. And then someone just comes over and kicks you in the, kicks your pistachios over, kicks, you, kicks over your pistachio nuts. Like, I mean, it just happens sometimes, right? And that's what sort of starts to feel like in the, in the early church, going from this rally. Remember all these people got saved and they're excited and like, yeah, we're figuring it out. We're breaking bread in homes and worshiping in temple courts. And now all of a sudden, like, oh, like, that's a bummer. Like, we were kind of ready for something, and, and we didn't expect that to happen. That just seems like a bad thing, like when bad things happen to good people. Like, it just is over. I mean, maybe you prepared. Maybe you used wisdom, and you had judgment, and all that stuff, and then still something happens. Man, I don't know what to say about that. It just does, right? It's just sort of one of the, the things we know about the, new, the, the life in general and for the church. And it begins to set up slowly this sort of acts of, of persecution toward the church, like, there's no promises in this early church. It, it, there was a time of, like, a little safer incubation, then it starts to, starting to leak out a little bit, like, oh, wow, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be easy. But these people are drawing themselves together, and more people are getting on board. They see, oh, wow, what's different about these guys? Because they're just like me, but, man, I, they were with Jesus, so I, I like it. And they're just adding to the number daily, thousands of people. The Spirit's moving, they're, they're preaching, they're, they're caring for people, all these things, and it's just this movement happening. And I think for the, the, the early disciples and the leaders of the church, if you think about who they were, I mean, they were just pulled out of the crowd. I mean, there was a few of the apostles. But then it was just like regular other guys who were just pulled out, and God starts using. They're like, yeah, we're just in this thing together. And I don't, I don't know that much more than you. Man, that is a great position for us to be in when we engage people. Like, hey, I, I have a few things, but I'm also not that different. Because the difference of the distance between you and God, me and God, anyone and God, it's the same distance. It's Jesus. It's one thing. You can't be any further. You can't be any closer. Like, there's Jesus here. It brings you in. Like, it opens up this whole new world. Now, we can have practices and get to know him, and I'm for relationship and growing, but that, that initial gap that keeps anyone from, from, from God is Jesus. Like, that's it. That's why I'm here. Hopefully, that's why many of you are here. You're not that different than, than someone else who's not there. There's this little space that you sort of jumped over. And Brittany was sharing about that. It's just the grace. And I think that grace, when we realize that, when we keep that grace, that center, that Jesus, like in the middle, man, it makes us so much more relatable. It makes us so much more loving. It makes us so much more unified and cohesive. If I can think, well, you know what? I don't know any, everything either. And I'm just saved by grace because I'm a mess. And all right, that helps me get along with people. It helps us get along. And the church is learning there's just learning this. It's learning this, this, this idea of Jesus being the, the common denominator. Or you walk out of a, a, a game, even the other night, there's people there in Houston, Houston stuff, like they're in orange stuff, and they're cheering, and, and during the end, there's yelling, and people, you know, cursing mostly playfully, and it's just, it's wild, but you know, at the end of the game, everyone walks out together, everyone's high-fiving, they're like, hey, good game, good game, you know, it, we'll see, see you tomorrow night or whatever, like, we're not so different. And sometimes it's like just a little bit of a different color, but at the end of the day, like, we're still in the same boat. We're still moving through this, this life together. And I was out kind of just musing on this, this stuff this week, walking the dog, and, 
Uh, I take a lot of notes. I'm like a moleskin junkie. I just burn through moleskins like crazy because I can't remember anything, so I have to write everything down. Then I don't have to remember. But I also sometimes do like the audible notes on my phone. Like if I'm, if I'm out walking, like I just get out the thing, like put on, you know, Siri or the, or the voice, t voice to text, and I'll just start making notes. I'm out walking the dog, and I'm just kind of, you know, sharing some ideas with myself out loud, and it's always weird for other people, but I just, I'm sorry to the other people. And they just probably think I'm talking to my dog really deeply, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going forward. I'm saying, man, the only difference in our lives is Jesus. The only difference in our lives is Jesus. And I was really just trying to lean into that because, you know, the idea of that show, like, well, sometimes we kind of think, well, it, it used to be Jesus, but now I've done a lot of good. Back in the day, like when I just got saved, the only difference was Jesus. But since then, I've, I've gone to church for 30 years. I've served. I've tithed. I've done all these things. So now I'm, I'm a little better. But, man, the difference is Jesus. The difference that you are able to even grow is is Jesus, and I just, just kept thinking this, this over this idea and this humility. And I get back, you know, the next day, and I, I, you know, I go through my notes sometimes, which are usually a mess. Half the stuff I can't, doesn't make any sense, but I'm reading this one, one line, and it just said, so I was trying to find what I was thinking of, and it says, the only difference is cheese sauce. Cheese sauce? The only difference is cheese sauce. Like, oh, the only difference is Jesus, cheese sauce. Like, Cheese sauce is the difference. And I'm like, I'm like, actually, cheese sauce is the difference. Think about cheese sauce, right? Like, those stale, junky nachos from the movie theater and some cheese sauce, good. Big, like, broccoli, weird vegetables dip in cheese, good. Like, big, fat, stale, doughy pretzels, cheese sauce, good. Like, it just makes things good. So I'm like, actually, cheese sauce is the difference, and Jesus is the difference. But, like, and I was just, like, I was just laughing. I'm, like, thinking this thing through. But the only difference is Jesus or cheese sauce. You'll remember that now. The only difference is cheese sauce. That's the deal. That's why we're good. That's why those nasty chips can be good, because the cheese sauce is good. It's not because the stale chips are good. Those chips are terrible, like those movie chips. But man, some of that nacho cheese sauce, come on. Those pretzels, cheese sauce, it's on. Broccoli, but man, it just makes a difference. It makes things better in the early churches, leaning into this gospel. It's Jesus. And these were ordinary guys. What's with them? They had the cheese sauce. They had Jesus, and that's the good news, and that's the great story of the gospel. The gospel is supposed to be good news. Like, it, it is good news. That's what gospel means. It's this idea of there's been victory, and there's a winning, you're on the winning side, and you're in, and you're safe, and you're protected, and there's peace. And if you don't believe that, really, no one's going to believe you. If you don't really believe that it's good news that brought you in and brings you to Jesus and it's, it's not about burdens and hard work and slaving away, then you can't bring any good news to anybody. And so as we meditate, and we're gonna, we can close out in a song, but you can come up. We're just meditate on the grace of Jesus that brought us in. That's, just, that's good news. And we can realize that, remember that. Like, man, I was just some old stale chips, but I got cheese sauce. I'm okay now. That's good news for people. Like, me too. Yeah, I'm... I get it. I'm a mess too, but I have Jesus. Man, that's, that is gospel, and it's accessible, and it's, and it's meant to be easy and, and free, and grace is a gift so that no man can boast. Right? The point is that he made himself such a good cheese sauce that like, no one else can compete. Like That's the point. That's what brings us together with people. In here, in the broader sense of the kingdom, with churches that have differences, with people outside the church, like, it's all right. It's all right. We, there's just this one thing. So, God, thank you for your work. Thank you for who you are. I pray for grace right now in this room. Anyone struggling with grace, Lord, we know it in our heads sometimes, but sometimes we lack to feel it in our hearts. 
man, we are saved by grace. We are brought into relationship by grace, not by works, so that no one may boast, Lord. We don't have to worry about boasting. God, let your grace reign in this room this very moment. May people feel free of any burdens of of guilt or shame or inadequacy or not good enough or being too ordinary, too unschooled. Let the grace reign so they may just know they're there with Jesus. When people look at us, God, I pray that's what they would see. Like, we don't know what's up with those people. They're weird, but it looks like they've been with Jesus. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neueechurch.com. That website address again is neueechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.